0: You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, Pastor Josh begins a four week series titled Home, where he'll talk about the mission God has called us to as the body of Christ and how that is expressed through the local body at Broadmoor. Our prayer is that God would speak to us, encourage us, and challenge us as we listen to hear his word today. Well, good morning, church. How are we? great. If you have your Bibles, would you open to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 19 through 25 today. Uh, and as you are turning there, I have a couple of uh, insights or announcements that are going to hopefully be encouraging to you. Um, we are in Move Up Sunday. And so we're, we're going to welcome some special guests here in just a moment. So I want you to, to be able to, to build with anticipation, some excitement that's about to, to, to go through this room. Uh, and you're going to make some people, feel incredibly welcome and incredibly special. But before we get there, I want to tell you uh, of all the new life groups that we have going on at Broadmoor, there's one that's really special to me, uh, for it is one that I'm going to be teaching. I'll be teaching in a life group starting next Sunday, but it's only for three weeks. Uh, and, and that life group is built more for people who are trying to figure out what is faith. And it's, it's essentially who is God. Who are we as his creation, and what is the purpose of the church? Uh, And our hope is this, that maybe you are struggling with, or maybe you have friends or neighbors that are struggling through I don't even know what faith is. I'm not quite sure who God is to trust him with my life. Can he do all the things that that we say he can do? I would ask that you would invite your friends and family, maybe if that's you, that you would join me for the next three weeks starting next Sunday uh, as we embark on this three-week journey. And our hope is at the end of it, you are ready to jump into a life group uh, and to to be a part of incredible life-giving community. So the way that you RSVP for this group, it could be one person, or it could be 300 people, really, really doesn't matter. I would love for anybody and everybody to come if they wanna join, but we'd love to know if you're coming. So you can use this QR code right here, or you can get it on our church website. I'm sure it'll be on social media as well, but you can click that, or once it comes up, the link, click that and tell us that you're coming. So that is next Sunday for the next three weeks, okay? Here's where we go for big stuff, okay? This is Move Up Sunday. Across all of our next gen, we have uh, young men and young women who are moving up. But today is the very first day in big church for our, 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 our four-year-olds, okay? So our, 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 our K-4 students. If you are here this morning and you are a K-4 student, and this is your very first Sunday in this room with us, will you stand up in your chair? Mom and dad, I need you to help them stand up in their chair. Yes. We are so excited that you're here. So excited that we gave you and your mom and dad a survival kit. So hopefully when you came in, you received one of these purple bags. My daughter already hit me up on the way in. I was like, babe, you way past this. But as you look to these kits, there are a lot of great things in them, okay? So as I work through this, I want to tell you what's in here. Uh, we, we have some good stuff, right? So, so we're going to have uh, sermon notes. So as you are listening to the sermon today, there's some key words in here that you can circle or pictures that you can draw. I would appreciate it when you draw me that if I could have wavy long hair, that would be fantastic. Just a dream that I have. Up to you, you artistic rendition. It'll be great, okay? Um, there are some coloring sheets. There are some um, church coloring sheets, some to keep you busy, all right? There are a little card, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. That's for you, mom and dad. There are some crayons, because crayons make everything better. And my personal favorite in this bag is snacks. You can't come to big church without having the right kind of snacks, okay? And I believe Cheez-Its are close to, to, to the Lord's manna, so we, we gave those to you today, okay? Um, the only thing that would have made them better if they were the extra cheesy Cheez-Its. So that's, that's for another day. I need you to give a little bit more so we can do that, okay? That'd be fantastic. So, as we get to the cards that are in here, this is simply a note from us to you, mom and dad, grandparents, aunts and uncles, whoever it is that is caregiving for that pre-K next to you. Here's what you're going to think right now. No doubt, because every parent has thought it. Josh, do you know what you were getting into inviting my kid into this room? Do you you know what you're getting into? Because they're not going to listen, they're going to be loud, they're going to have to go use the bathroom at the most inopportune times. Hey, listen to me, as they grow up, it doesn't change we expect it and we welcome it but one thing i would push back a little bit on you may think that your k4 isn't listening i promise you they are they are hearing things that i pray are beginning to instill in them values that they'll carry with them the rest of their life the scriptures tell us actually in in hebrews 10 just earlier than where we're going to be today that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of god and so we pray, and the reason why we have them in this room with us during this time, that they hear gospel songs that are going to take root in their heart and to hold them for a long time. That they hear, they hear scriptural-based sermons, that the Word of God will be read over them and preached over them and allow that Word to wash over them so they can be transformed by God's Word. And so, moms and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, thank you for bringing your K-4 into this room. Thank you for bringing your children here. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be noisy. We expect it. If a church doesn't have the noise of children, it is a dead church. We need you. We need your kids. We are so thankful that you are here today. Uh, No judgment if you eat the Cheez-Its. Okay, so there's that. Now, as we jump into this, okay, there is a challenge for us in this room, and and you're going to hear this over the course of the next four weeks here in the big room, okay? Uh, It it is a challenge that I want to give to you as your pastor. It is a challenge that we as church leadership want to give to you as our congregation. And it is this. We believe that the most transformative thing that you can do for you and your family is to read God's word. Like, like we believe that it is god's word that just reading it and allowing it to, to To marinate in your heart in your mind It is going to transform you and no doubt that across this room men and women read this bible every single day And we're so thankful for it But here's the challenge that may be a little bit uncomfortable, but I promise you it will be incredibly beneficial We are challenging families households across our church body. We've even put a specific number just as a measurement tool to see if we can reach it We are asking that 500 households or families Would engage god's word and read it out loud to the gathered family unit or to the household unit out loud at least four days a week Now again, you may say josh. I read the bible seven days a week, right? But we are asking that you would gather your family around it could be the table It could be the couch. It could be the ride to school It could be the ride home But you would sit down together and you would read god's word out loud. Let me give you some encouragement It doesn't have to be full chapters. It certainly doesn't have to be full books But you would open God's word and you would read it out loud and you would pray together. The second thing that we want to challenge you to do, that at one point in the month, so over the next 12 months, that you would do this at least one time each month, that you would do something sacrificial with your time or your money or your resources and serve someone else. And now that's going to be probably dovetailed into the first part for when we when we read, we're going to pray. And when we pray, we're going to ask God, "God, show us how we are to put our faith in action." And so we are going to ask God to open our eyes and to give us fast feet and quick hands to go and serve. And so here's what we're hoping the Holy Spirit would do for you and your family. That as you were going throughout the day that you would see people who are in need of a blessing, who are in need of an encouragement, who are in need of some tangible reminder that God is faithful and good and that you are trustworthy and kind. And it's not enough just to add it on to your everyday. We are asking that it would be sacrificial in the sense of maybe you go out to eat every month, but maybe we're asking you to hold back on one of those days and to leverage that money or that time into serving somebody else. Maybe it's something else that you would do. Maybe, maybe it's a, a hobby that you would have, that you would, you would pause on that for a moment, sacrificing that for your good, and you would use that for somebody else's good. And so you're gonna hear more about this over the next coming weeks, but I want to, to put this out here today as we jump in together. For today starts the Home Series, and this is, this is starting on my fourth year here at Broadmoor, uh, and this is our fourth time walking through something very similar to this, and it is... Who we are as a church. Our 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 mission statement is this: We are a united family of faith, joining Jesus on His mission for the glory of God and the good of our communities. And in the past, we've looked at different segments of that or the whole thing in, in its totality. But today, I want us to take less of a thirty thousand foot view and more of let's say a five thousand foot view. That we're going to come in a little bit closer. And we're going to see the purpose behind how we believe God has called us to live. Specifically, in the first part of this mission statement is going to be the unity. That we are a a unified faith family. We we, we are connected together. But for what sake and what cause? Those are the very things that we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, if we had folks who are, are part of the Word and you received a new Bible the last couple of weeks called the Following Jesus Bible, you can find this passage on page 1321. 1321. Everybody else, good luck. <laughs> All right. As you're there, we're going to jump in to Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus so as we begin to think even in this very first verse there is there is this invitation but it's not just a, a flippant invitation it's not just an, an invitation that says "Ah, if you feel like it ah, if you if you feel comfortable or or if you have the time or the margin of the space why don't you just kind of come on in to, to 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 have fellowship with God no The author of Hebrews is helping us to better understand the the beauty of the invitation that Christ has offered to us and the rights that we now have as sons and daughters of God. And so what he says here, what the author says here, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, how, why, what allows us that? It is by the blood of Jesus alone. It's really important for us to remember this, guys. Now, I know, I know if you've been in church longer than five minutes, you know who Jesus is, you know who God is, you know who the Holy Spirit is, but I want to remind us because we have a tendency to forget. Our forgetting is this idea of we forget God and we remember us. And so left unchecked, Left, left without using God's Word to refine us and to anchor us to truth every single day, we can begin to get that message twisted, and we will begin to believe that we are welcome to come into the presence of God for all the good things that we've done and not doing all the bad things that we really wanted to do, but we didn't do them. No. No coming into the presence of God, being invited into the presence of God has nothing to do with you or I and has everything to do with Jesus Christ our King. And so as we understand what it is to be a united family of faith, it starts here. We're not even just united with a cause. We're not just united because we believe in something bigger. We are united because Christ has redeemed us and brought us together. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We must not become arrogant and allow ourselves to think in any way that us entering into the holy place is because of us. It is Christ alone that has redeemed our life, and it is Christ alone that we should receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Look at verse 20. By the new and the living way, That he opened for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh, right? So these verses are are giving us this this overview of how Christ made a way for us. It was new and living, meaning it didn't exist prior to Christ coming. And it was through the shed blood, through his death. For we needed an atonement for our sin. Go back and look at the Old Testament. The way that, that God's people were made right with God, again, was through an atoning sacrifice. The problem with those sacrifices is they were never good enough to last. The things being sacrificed were never good enough. The people doing the sacrifices, offering them, were never good enough. It wasn't a lasting sacrifice. But God has given us something better, something more infinitely, eternally beautiful. And this is Jesus Christ. So just because we needed to be reminded again, how long? is this atoning sacrifice that Christ has given us. How long are we welcomed into his presence? Forever. Because it's not just a new way, not not just a new way that will become old, not just a new way that that has started strong but then will end weakly. No, it is the new way and it's the everlasting way. And so in Jesus, there's this idea that you are now invited with unfettered access to the Father, but that will never change. We'll talk about it more in just a second. But no doubt, you're already feeling some of this this morning. Potentially, Josh, you don't know me. You don't know who I am or what I've done or or, or the places I've been or the people that I've been to those places with. If you knew me, you couldn't say that. Yes, I can. I may not know you, but I know him. And what he tells us in his word and with his blood is he sees you, he knows you, he loves you, and has atoned for you. If you were born again. He is the new and the living way, meaning eternal. Verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, this is, this is kind of big deal. It's Old Testament language. Maybe, maybe we don't quite get this. Let me see if I can paint a picture for us this morning. The priest is the one who stood between God's people and God. I made mention just a few moments ago that the the, the issue in the Old Testament, no matter how great the priests were, they were always insufficient in some of them, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That may have been written in the New Testament, but it has been true since Genesis 3. We may have had priests in our past who stood between us and God, our our intercessors, our go-betweens, but they've never been good enough. They've never been eternal. They've never been long-lasting. But now we have a new priest, the great high priest. Not only is he the one who goes to God, but he is the one over the house of God. We know our atonement. That, 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 that is when, when our sins are confessed that they are, they, are, they are taken care of. And access to the Father will be everlasting because Jesus is indeed everlasting. He is our great priest and he's over the house of God. He is the boss and we are his. So what now? Here, here's where we get to the good stuff of today, okay? Look at verse 22. Therefore, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. All right, so I I want you to be clear. As as you look to that verse alone, verse 22, this is going to be the launching pad for for the rest of our time today and your life group hour as you dive into the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, okay? If you would notice how the author of Hebrews talks about the singular work of Christ— and how that affects the corporate gathering of all of God's people. That when you look here, it goes from singular to plural. So in, in view of what Christ has done for us, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. What is our response to the The atonement of Jesus Christ. What is our response to to his death and burial and resurrection and invitation to come into the Father's presence? The author says, run. Run to the Father. Run as fast and as hard as you can to get to the Father. For there you will be safe and there you will find joy like you've never experienced before. But it's not just running, wondering what may happen. It says, come with 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 a true heart. In our salvation, God has given us a new heart. It's true. It loves him. But here, here's where I want you to feel the tension in your life. It's why born-again people, even in the midst of a sinful life and sometimes even sinful actions, still yearn for God and godly things. It's because God has given us a new heart. And it's the very same reason that why unbelievers... People who are not born again by God's grace, they have no affection for the things of God. Therefore, there's nothing that would bring conviction to their life. There's no desire to say, well, I know where I am, I know what I'm trapped in, but I want something more or something better. Lost people are lost for a reason. But for the believers in the room and the believers around the world, we, we should have this understanding that even in our still sinful brokenness, that we are His. So this justification, we went going back to to Romans, we don't have to go there. That's your salvation that happens in a moment. And the sanctification is the lifelong process between now and when you go see Jesus face to face. And it's in that sanctification that we begin to feel the tension of verse 22. We wanna run to God, but there's still things vying for our attention. I think a lot of times if we were in a church setting, we would call them sin. But maybe if we weren't here, we would call them the things that we really, really, really like. Things that make us feel good and comfortable. Things that make us not feel like an oddball to the world. What this this author is telling us is because of what Christ has done, we are to, we, we collective, we are to run with a true heart and full faith and assurance You sit here, you say, how, how, how? I know, I know what you're saying, Josh. I've heard you say it, I've heard other preachers say it, I've heard other teachers say it, I've heard my mom and daddy say it, I've heard my grandparents say it, that God can forgive me. And a lot of times people believe that's true for others, but not you. Because maybe you've done something or you're doing something that you believe is beyond redemption brothers and sisters there is nothing that is beyond redemption there is no life lived that is beyond redemption as long as you have breath in your body you have an opportunity to be made right with god through jesus christ so this is the invitation this is this is what happens so again remember this isn't a try harder be better What the author of Hebrews is saying here is it's not because of your changed actions that you can now run to God. It's because God changed your heart that you can run to God. And it's in that moment, in our running to God, in our pursuit of God, because our hearts are changed, that our actions begin to shift. Because the things that we used to love, we're not going to love as much anymore. The things that we used to find loyalty to on this side of eternity begin to shift. And we want the things for the next world. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith for our hearts sprinkled clean. Not sprinkled less dirty. When God comes to you and he breathes life into you, he cleans you completely. And you say, Josh, no, no. (laughs) You weren't with me this week. I wasn't too clean. Hear me out. Our actions still need some work. God's going to handle that. That's part of the process. We trust him with it. But I want you to understand, if you have repented of your sin, if you put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, it is in that moment that God has made you righteous in that moment. Not dependent on your actions, but dependent on Christ's actions. And then he says, our body's washed with pure water. So it is the heart the mind and the soul that is being renewed every day in the person and the work of Christ. We say, praise God, that's awesome. But I think the issue that we have a lot of times with news like this is we'll hear it in a sermon. Maybe you hear this in a small group. Maybe, maybe you hear this in a podcast or a song that you listen to that's, that's incredibly gospel saturated and you feel this excitement like, yes, praise God, he knows me and loves me. And then that sermon ends. Or the podcast is over, or the song's finished, or you get to your destination, you get out of your car, and then the world starts to get loud again. And then we begin to forget what we've just remembered. Is that not the story of the Christian's life? We forget what we've just remembered. Because none of this, what I'm telling you today, is new. I'm just a chief reminder. That's what the Bible tells us. And so, hopefully, when you come and you hear gospel preaching and gospel singing and you're in gospel community, they're not telling you something new. They are reminding you of something old and true. Matter of fact, if they're telling you something new, red flag. We are reminded of this day after day after day. But the issue is that intimacy ends sadly when the church service is over, or we close our Bible. The song is over. We too easily forget. We begin to believe what the world is telling us. We begin to believe what our still being sanctified heart and mind constantly tells us. So how do we combat this? How do we fight against it with all that we are? Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The word hold fast it's this this picture of holding like a hug, but in a way that it is if your life depends on it. I'm going to hold fast to this thing as if my life depends on this alone. And so the the, the author of Hebrews says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. What is our confession as Christians? Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he loves me. That's the hope that we have in Christ. Not the confession of try harder or be better. Not the confession of hide more so people can't see who we really are. The confession is Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he loves me. We hold on to that without wavering. Why would we hold on to that without wavering? Because that verse ends, for he who promised, promised what? That he is the Christ and that he loves me. He who promised is faithful. Please hear this as we think through who we are as a church, when we consider our, our idea of belonging here at Broadmoor. Hopefully, hope, and this is going to be way countercultural to where we live and the community that we are in. It is not a performance thing. It is a belief that we are far more broken than we could have ever imagined, but God is far more gracious than we could ever know. And it's in our pressing into him that it is our struggle and our strife that we begin to put aside. And we no longer struggle with trying harder to be better, to hide our sin so people can't see it. And instead, we use all of our energy to cling to our confession of faith, which is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he loves me. We cling to that alone. For he who promised is faithful. So what does that mean for us? What do we do do with that as we are clinging to that good news? Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Because of everything we've read, let us consider how to stir one another up. Our days should be spent looking for ways to encourage and motivate one another, not to hide and outdo one another. Church, do you hear me? Where we live in this Western world, we, for whatever reason, I'm sure we could sit here a long time and discuss it, but our view of Christianity is if I could look better than them or at least not look as bad as they look, then I'm in the good. No, that's exhausting. That's putting the mask on every day, hoping that nobody sees the real you behind it. God is inviting you to take that burden away and to to give yourself a new mission, a new passion, and it is to look for ways to build up each other and to encourage one another, to stir one another up in the faith, to love and to good works. The church was not created for believers to come and stop, but it was created for believers to go and do. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Yes, I believe corporate worship is extremely important. Yes, there is value in pausing in our week to refocus our mind's attention and our heart's affection. But that's about this moment. The Bible calls us to something a little bit deeper, a little bit more for profound, I believe. What the author is talking about here in Hebrews is that the church is the body of believers gathered here and around the world. The Apostles' Creed said it this way, the Holy Catholic Church. Like I was up getting dressed from the baptism and I heard some of y'all bristle up saying, oh boy. If you look at the Apostles' Creed, Catholic usually has an asterisk by it. What they would understand in the writing of it, it is the universal church. It is the church worldwide. Understanding that we are Broadmoor Baptist Church and we are thankful to belong to one another, but this is not God's chosen and favorite place. We are but a part of God's holy church around the world. And this is the invitation to understand what we are being called to. So what does this mean for us today? Like Sundays, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. We should take every opportunity offered. I believe that you can to meet together, whether that would be in the corporate. And I believe that we desperately need this. I'll explain that more in a second, but also in opportunities for you to gather together in smaller sections. You're going to hear from Jay, Pastor Jay, in a couple of weeks. And, and he tells us all the time about making our circles smaller for in those smaller circles, we find greater accountability Greater vulnerability and greater transparency and greater life change. This author must have been on to something, even 2,000 years ago. Because he says, some have gotten into the habit of not gathering regularly with fellow believers for the purpose of being stirred up and stirring one another up, and it began to show in this first century church. I think that's true here, too. When we neglect the gathering together, the the purposeful gathering together, we miss something that God has given to us. It is a grace bestowed on us. The way so many people see church, the purpose of church, is just a gathering place. Usually for an hour or two at the most each week, to sing some songs, to give a tithe or to hear a sermon. Hey, and if you hear a song that brings some nostalgia, bonus points. And if you get convicted or have your toes stepped on by the sermon, then more bonus points. And if the service goes off script or the sermon goes a little longer than you're used to, you get a little frustrated. That's not the purpose of the church. The church is not the building. The church is the people. The purpose of the gathering together of the saints is, is to slow down and to remember the Lord Jesus Christ to look at one another in the eyes to see and be seen to know and to be known by one another to be honest to be vulnerable to say to your brothers and sisters I love the Lord Jesus and to hear them confess the same thing to you. So when the Apostles' Creed was being read, that may be new to you, but it wouldn't be new to the early church. It wouldn't be new to the historical church. For in, in that creed, much like a confession, they would look at one another in the eyes and they would say those words. Not only proclaiming what is true, but asking others to hold each other accountable for those truths. Just slow down. To remember that the church is the bride of Christ and what we do and how we live matter for his glory our souls are secure in his hands but our lives are incredibly weighty in how we leverage them so when we come together I pray our posture begins to change a little that when we come together and we see one another and we see each other in the eyes we can say I do love the Lord Jesus And I want to bring him glory. Here, here, listen to this part. When you look at my life, ask the questions, what are you seeing right now? Do my actions prove the words that I just said? Do you see sinfulness in me that I can't see or don't? What am I doing right now that is bringing him glory so I can do it more and be more effective in it? This is the beauty of the church. But when we choose not to gather, or at least not to gather rightly, church, we are in danger of living sinful and wasted lives. We need each other. We need to love and be loved by each other. We need to serve and be served by each other. So please don't neglect this wonderful grace extended to you and to me. Be involved. Be accountable be honest. But for how long? How how long should we, we do this? We should be doing it for as long as this passage in verse 25 ends, until we see the day drawing near. We will live like this until the Lord Jesus comes home. Why? Because we want to be found faithful in his service. You may be sitting here thinking, sermons like this and passages like this are so helpful, Josh. If you're a follower of Christ, you probably already know this. But you are just simply being reminded of truths that are helpful for your walk with Him. But I also want to remind you that God has established two things for His church, universal, that they are to do without fail. They're called ordinances. And there's two. You'll see both of them, or you saw one already, and you'll see another one in just a moment. as our worship team comes, and we begin to take our Lord's Supper together. The first ordinance that we see from Scripture is baptism. There's this idea in baptism, as we look to it. Galatians 3, 27 and 28, I'll read it quickly. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all in one in Jesus Christ. When we stand before the congregation... Before God and baptism, we are saying, essentially, I stand here in Christ alone. Not because of who I am. Not because of what I've done. Not because of what I do. Not because of the skills that I have. I stand here in Christ alone. Every time we see it, we should be reminded and encouraged again. That's the beauty of corporate baptism. That's why, personally, I believe baptism should be done in front of the whole church family. Not only is it edifying for Evie for Tanner, for their mom and dad, but it's edifying for this whole church. The second ordinance that we have, as mandated by Scripture, is the Lord's Supper. So this morning, if you walked in and you have one of these, you're set. But if you say, "Uh uh-oh, I don't have one, it's okay. We have people who are ready to bring you one. Here's how it's going to work. If you need a Lord's Supper element, if you would raise your hand, maybe kind of high, And people are going to come right to you and hand you an element, okay? Don't miss an opportunity here. We'll wait. Great. Continue to keep your hand high. I'm going to just talk a little bit more. When we get to the Lord's Supper... It's a similar thinking. As we gather around the table, try not to see it as we have set up. It's kind of hard, though, because this is the room. This is one of our most highly attended Sundays all year. It's it's Move Up Sunday. It's Back to School Sunday. And I am so overjoyed that all of you are here today. But I think one way in which modern church struggles, I think, in, in how we even design our worship centers I don't think church was ever meant to be stadium seating looking at one. Church was always meant for us to be in circles looking at one another. I believe in headship. I believe in leader. But I'm not the beginning and the end of church. Jesus Christ is. I'm one of you. I'm a member of Broadmoor Baptist Church. I need the same encouragement that you need. I need the same accountability that you need. And so when we come to moments like this, I would encourage you not to to see it as you are a spectator watching something, maybe getting to take part in some small way, but instead understanding that you are God's children looking one another in the eye and taking this communion together. You are knowing and being known. You are authentic and vulnerable. Hopefully you don't come into this moment with a posture of, well, there's nothing to see here. Don't look at me. I have it all together. You want to go look at them? How dare you point something out in my life? That's not the posture of the Christian. Because if we are honest, it would always be, I know I have more than I could even see that's wrong with me. Thank you for being gracious and pointing that out. Would you bear with me as I repent of that and walk with the Lord more closely? That's the beauty of the church. Nobody here is perfect. To steal a line from other churches that have used this a hundred times, church should be the perfect place for imperfect people. So if you are here today and you are considering, is this home? Could this be a place that you and your family would come? If If you are looking for perfection, this isn't it. But if you are looking for authenticity, vulnerability, and honesty, you're in the right place. We are broken people. But by God's grace, we are being put back together, probably in a way that we wouldn't prefer, but in a way that he is going to bring him so much glory and honor and praise. So when we come to the supper, our posture is, I'm broken and I need you to see me. I need you to help me and I need you to hold me accountable for the sake of Christ. And when we, when we say that we are a united family of faith, this is, what we are mean, this is what we mean. We are united in Christ. We are no longer who we were or what we've done, but we are now known by whose we are and the mission that he has trusted to us. So it's with that understanding that we come to the table this morning. And as you hold the bread and the cup, I want you to remember him. His goodness and his faithfulness his nearness, his sacrifice, his love, the new covenant and the promise that he brings. As you gather around the table in your life groups, at your quiet dinner table at home, the noisy restaurant table, and you look your friends, the people you do life with in the eye, I don't want you to hide from them. I want you to know and be known by them. It is in that moment you confess to one another, we love the Lord Jesus Christ, but we need each other to serve him well. For the sake of Christ, we need each other. So, with that, if you would take this element and you would turn it over where the bread is on top and you would remove the bread. Our reading comes from Luke 22, verse 19. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take it. If you would, flip it over. Peel back the portion that has the juice carefully. It doesn't all have to come all the way off. Verse 20. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. As we move into this invitation time, this time of tithes and offerings, I ask you to remember the the Lord's faithfulness and goodness, his body that was broken for you, and his blood that was poured out as a new covenant in his blood. I'm so thankful to be a brother walking alongside you. I'm so thankful to be your pastor. When we say we are a united family of faith, this is what we mean. We need each other. I need you. You need me. As we cling to the confession of our hope without wavering. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. and He loves us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift and grace of church. Thank you for making beautiful things out of messes. For across this room that is every one of our stories. I pray, Father, that as we embark in a new year, a new church calendar year, we would do so Resting in you and comfortable with one another. Help us not to hide. Help us not to put on. Help us not to mask up. For in all of those things, there is no life. But you tell us clearly in your word that all who are tired, weary and heavy laden that we can come to you and we can find rest and when we come to you we know that you see us you know us and you have us and it is in that grace that we lay our lives down before you knowing that they are not perfect knowing God that we are not right in our self and in our flesh And so we ask, Father, that in your grace you would continue to refine in us. Give us conviction where we need it. Give us comfort where we need it. And help us trust you to know the difference. So as we come to this invitation now and as we come to this moment of giving and the receiving of offerings, God, may you be glorified. Thank you for giving us a home that is safe and loving and challenging and sending. Help us, Father, be faithful to you in the call in our life. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your powerful name that we pray and we now stand and respond. Church, would you stand with me?